conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good morning. Happy Monday. We're Happy Monday. Uh, a man down today, but some might say we're a man up. <laughs> yeah, some some might say. Um, but yeah, happy uh, Memorial Day. Normally, uh, I would actually, I, no, I'm going to take that back. Definitely taking the day off after this uh, show, but still always good to see your, your beautiful face on a Monday morning. Uh, yeah, Likewise, can't this, can't this episode goes out to all of our British fans still listening <laughs> yeah we actually do have a strong audience in the uk which is surprising but not surprising based off of you and ross i'm like okay makes sense so shout out to uh all of our uk listeners um but yeah exciting episode i think is going to be very interesting going into the economics that we're kind of in right now of uh travel and of course inflation and everything else um but dude Last week was really good. We had uh, we had a really good guest. So anyone listening to this episode right now should definitely go back a week, listen to the episode with Hector Hughes, who is one of the co-founders of Unplugged out in London or somewhere out there. Um, you met him in person, so I'll let you London, take that yes. part. Yeah, London. what's up, Hector? <laughs> I love it. Well, um, yeah. So good episode. Uh, it was good reminder i think throughout the week now this week jumping into of course like all these topics that are commonly talked about on the show uh but michael your background's different this week so where are you at where are you at these days i'm in north carolina at the moment um had a 
family wedding last weekend and have another family wedding next weekend, also in North Carolina. So just stand up here for the week because an eight hour drive with a three-year-old is not something we want to do multiple times in a week. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> sounds horrible. Um, but shout out to Ollie cause we like Ollie. Um, that's a boy. And shout out to Steve Turk. This came yes. coffee. Yes, I was just getting to that. You're ahead of it. I love Thank it. You too. Uh, <laughs> well, this episode is brought to you by our friends uh, at Biscayne Coffee based out in Miami. Uh, you know, shout out to Steve Turk, uh, like you said, for hooking us up with some awesome coffee that has an awesome cause behind it. So not only do you get 10% off if you use our code Good Morning, but 10% also gets donated to nonprofit organizations that are there helping uh, you know, keep the Biscayne Bay clean and keeping the wildlife uh, sustainable there. Um, it's a really good mission and just proud to support it with a good cup of coffee every Monday. So can't complain. What better way to wake up? Seriously, with not Folgers in your cup, it's Biscayne. Hi, Julie. Julie, you're in Atlanta, Julie George. my hometown. She is. I happen to not be there. So sorry we missed you this week. Tell uh tell Ruben and everyone we say hi. And I saw that uh while uh, you're in Atlanta, you guys maybe had a hospitable host launch party, which is awesome. So if you haven't heard of the hospitable host book, uh, it's a book with like I would I wouldn't say hundreds, but I would say a lot of authors that have all written their own chapter based on how they got into the the short term rental industry, uh, how hospitality is impacted their life, and they just get to share awesome stories. So really good book. HFM is proud to be a sponsor of the book. And uh, again, shout out to Julie George and everyone that's uh, co-authored with her on that. Um, all right. Enough with the shout outs today, man. We just got a bunch of fans to shout out to uh, a lot of people that we love and show love to. Um, but I think it's time for what's with the noise. Are you ready for some noise making, Mr. Michael Golden? Let's do it. What's out there? Let's do it. We had a nice streak there of M&A activity, but we are back to funding activity. So congrats to the team at Hostfully for closing a $4 million seed round. And also congrats to the team at Ease for closing a $1.1 million seed round. Two great groups run a great people um, who have been staples in the industry for quite some time. So. Congrats to you guys. We look to seeing how that money is used and how much growth you can uh, compile thereafter. So big shout out to Focus Wire um, for putting on their global uh, pitch competition. And so 18 startups are moving forward to the next round. Um, and of course, I will link everything in the show notes for the listeners and the watchers that um, want to see or read about those startups. But we do got to give a big shout out to uh, our good friend, Daniel Cruz, who is the CEO and co-founder of Wash B&B, who is actually moving forward. So if you uh, never heard of Wash B&B, they do all things laundry, linen, all that good stuff. And they're just you know crushing it. 
um, across the board, and they have you know advanced and moved their their company uh, quite a way since uh, we first talked. And you know he was just talking about the idea, um, so really excited. And he was also a guest on Slick Talk, so go check out that episode as well. And let's bring back my co-host Michael Golden. What up? What up? Um, all right. So there's a lot to dive into. This episode is probably going to be not our normal 30 minutes, you know, because again, I think we cover this weekly, so we're pretty, you know, pretty on top of it. But you mentioned M&A. So, you know, I, I find it interesting that we can see kind of like the curve, right? Like we predicted funding was going to be the increase uh, trend, right? We're going to see tons of funding and we did. And then we saw a lot of acquisitions happen. And now, of course, I think that trend, like you said, is going to happen more. So give us some insight, give us your thought, um, and we'll we'll take it from there. Yeah, so unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the financial markets are a bit unsteady right now. And the first things that are hit are the public markets. So stock prices nosedive. And then it basically trickles downhill from there. So the next biggest thing is late stage or private equity owned companies valuations start to nosedive and funding nosedives and it trickles down series C, series B, series A down to seed funding. And there's been a number of VCs over the past couple of weeks that have sent out notes to founders, advising them to shore up their finances, make sure that they have enough runway to get through the next two years. And ultimately um, you know, get ready to hunker down and, and ride out this wave of financial uncertainty. And that's largely in part because VCs aren't going to be able to grab more money from private equity or, or capital markets because their valuations and cash flow is, <clears throat> is depressed a little bit. And therefore, you know, it, right now we can still see some VC activity, but that curve is going to flatten out a little bit probably in the next few months as the trickle down from public markets starts to hit the the VCs. And what that means for companies is if you don't have 18, 24 months of runway, you are going to be potentially in trouble, which is why we think M&A activity is going to increase over the next year, two years. Uh, It needs to happen anyway. So to have this kind of event, push it along, I think ultimately is okay, but yeah, that's that's kind of the first of the obvious things that will happen as the the financial markets get a little bit worse. Um, there's there's a number of additional aspects that play into travel, which benefit all of us, uh, especially if you play in the luxury segment. You know, luxury travel has been a little bit suppressed over the past few years, just simply because of COVID, but rich people always travel. It uh, doesn't matter the economic climate. They're always able to, to fork out a little bit extra money going to the Ritz in South Beach or taking their private plane to Europe, whatever it may be. Um, <clears throat> that said, inflation is killing the average traveler, but the average traveler is not slowing down right now, which is, which is an interesting dynamic. I was just going to say the same thing. What? You want to touch on that? Well, I was just going to say, I find that interesting because in COVID, 
we saw that the luxury market definitely was the sustainable, like still pushing, if not growing um, type of sector, whether short term rentals, hotels, um, any type of lodging, really like luxury was was doing just fine. Yeah, they probably took a little bit of a hit in the early early weeks, but, you know, shortly after they rebounded pretty quick. Uh, and then to see that not only is everything getting more expensive, but people are still spending and buying and booking at the same rate when things were a lot cheaper and everyone wanted to fly. You get you can get a flight to Hawaii for like I think I saw a friend of mine get a flight to Hawaii from Washington State from Seattle's airport for like 150 bucks for like she was gone for like two weeks. Cheap, dirt cheap. Never seen that in my life. But now like here we were kind of talking off off the off the record or off uh, recording going to Nashville next week for the STR Wealth Conference a courtyard by Marriott my one you know easy brand to stay with like it's an easy go to if you're going to go to a city uh for four nights was $2200 granted i do know there is a festival happening in town um you know that you know makes sense but still like that's expensive for, yeah, that's... I was booking a flight to the UK last week, and normally out of Atlanta, direct flights twelve hundred bucks, give or take. Yeah, and this, I mean, we're looking at flights twice that two thousand twenty four hundred. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's a blend of inflation plus demand plus gas prices, which uh, equals a, a challenging combo for the business traveler uh, who has a budget. Yeah. Uh, or or the family travel who has a budget. But again, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't really affect luxury. They're still flying, probably still flying in first class. Um, and we probably won't feel it this summer because people have been able to save up the past two years dreaming of that European vacation. Yeah. But come this fall and, and next summer, should the economic markets be similar or continue on the path they're on, it might might be a, a pretty heavy hit uh, for years coming. Well, and so I kind of want to touch on kind of something you said about the M&A stuff, because for me, so HFM is not a funded company. We were bootstrapped, you know, cash flow business um, to where, you know, I always think about, you know, uh, cash flow being king, right? Like if we don't have cash flow, what are we doing? Um, and positive cash flow, not just like any cash. So for a VC company or a VC to to you know put in tons of capital, right? They let's say they do ten million. So that ten million is supposed to you know power growth, do all the stuff that you know we talk about on the on the show all the time. Um, so if VCs are telling their their companies kind of like, hey, you know, make sure you have enough cash flow or enough cash to get you through the next you know twelve to twenty four months, um, yada yada yada, whatever that may be. Why would M&A still continue? Doesn't that take up a lot of cash? That's what I want it. Like if M&A, like I could see that being the trend, but would that only be with the big companies? Like let's say. Um, you'll see profitable companies or companies with war chests able to purchase other companies at discounts because they're out of cash. Mm-hmm. And the the whole runway, like a VC gives you money because you're not going to be profitable until whatever time horizon that's generally agreed upon. So if you get 10 million in funding, they expect you to spend 10 million and typically at the two year horizon, 
you're going to start being profitable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there's not that clear path, then that's when founders really need to reel it back in. Um, but you'll see companies that raised a year or two years ago, they were kind of towards that tail end. They might have a lot more trouble raising funds this time around than last time around. And, you know, the, the valuations might nosedive because they're going to have to shed some people, shed some spend, shed the burn, and ultimately might come up for sale instead of a valuation of 50 million, they might come up for sale for 10 million. Um, it's better than going completely bust. So there's, there's likely to be a number of fire sales where people just kind of run out of capital. And a lot of that depends on your existing investors. If they have money set aside to reinvest in you to get you through hard times, uh, that happened a bunch during COVID as investors came in and, and pushed, um, basically gave a lifeline out to a lot of their portfolio companies that were doing well to make sure they'd see it through. But there were a lot of companies that, that still went bust during, uh, during COVID. I mean, we saw yeah. a number of <laughs> Stay Alfred, Domeo, some, some big yeah. ones who raised a ton of money. But their path to profitability just wasn't there and their investors weren't willing to, to continue to, to bet on that horse. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like from my, my perspective or point of view, what is, you know, obviously we can't predict it, right? Like you, we make a lot of predictions on the show where we're like, oh, we're going to predict this is going to be the we've biggest thing. We've, we've been able to predict. We're pretty oh, good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but we can't predict when this like big downturn is going to happen, right? Like we can't say like, all right, guys, in the next month, you know, get ready, hold on to all of your cash, start being lean, operate lean, blah, blah, blah. Um, because we just can't predict that kind of cause, but what's the threshold? Where, when does this bubble? We don't get have to predict it. People way yeah. smarter than us at these mega VC funds are already saying it. So yeah. when the stock markets are now, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40% down from their highs. Uh, VCs feel it because they're not able to, to raise their next round, which means it's harder for early stage companies to raise their next round. We're not yeah. there quite yet. I mean, as we just saw in What's With The Noise, there's still companies getting early stage funding. Um, I can attest to that ourselves. There's still people out there willing to invest and, and there might be even more appetite at this moment to get out of the capital markets and then to high risk, high reward, especially with inflation yeah. the way it is. Um, but I mean, it's here, it's coming. There, there's nothing that's saying that stock market's going to turn around tomorrow and go through yeah. the roof. So it's, uh, you know, survive in advance. And, and right now, you know, the red lights aren't totally flashing. Um, so that's good. And maybe we can avoid that, but, yeah. If it does get to that point, you know, ultimately people always still travel. They just might not take as far of a vacation. They might be a little bit closer. It might look more like COVID trips. Um, I, I know people aren't getting the rates they were getting last summer, this summer. They're still booking like crazy and getting good rates, but it's not absolutely insane madness like it was last year. Yeah. Um, and I think the rates will continue to come down. So people that bought their house at the all-time highs, expecting ADRs to remain, it's going to be a going to be a tough slog. But I think ultimately, resetting the market's not a bad thing. It got a little crazy there for a minute, um, 
And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to have a company, you should always aim for profitability. And if you're profitable, fine. Um, You know, you have to go from zero to one and it takes money to do that. But at the end of the day, again, you know, you don't have to sell your business. You don't have to lay people off. None of that as long as you're profitable. So yeah. Um, shout out Simon Lehman. It's all about profitability, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, uh, Simon's business is going to be doing really good with all this M&A activity. Um, but no, that's really good points. And, and I just find it very interesting, though. Like, I think the human behavior behind the, the current booking rates that we're seeing, right? Like, people really did miss out on a lot of life events, memories, trips, you know, vacation, whatever it may be, um, with the early, you know, COVID days, like we keep talking about, you know, 2020, 2021 even. Um, and it's just funny, like they, they're willing to spend whatever, whatever it takes, uh, to make it happen. And granted, like sometimes there's like a, there's like, you have no choice. Like you got to go to this conference, you got to go to this place. Everything's expensive. You're going to just have to pick and be willing to sacrifice what you're going to give up. Um, and so I found it, you know, interesting just because it's like, I don't know if you've seen um, the, the like Steve Harvey, like uh, video where he's talking about like fly, fly first class, do it once. And you'll, you'll never go back and, and, you know, get, you get that extra room and you get the, the drinks or the meal. And I was like, yeah, Steve Harvey, like you tell him like fly first class. I'm like, shit, I don't know if I ever want to fly first class at these prices right now, just because I know after you've flown first class, you know, there's a certain threshold that you're willing to pay for, for that type of experience. So, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I've, I've flown first on the life flats internationally. I don't sleep on planes anyway. So to pay like four times as much, I'd rather take four trips back and forth than maybe get an hour of sleep max. Like, yeah. When I tell you I don't sleep, I literally get zero sleep. So it doesn't really matter to me. Um, but that's where upgrades help. I will never pay for a life flat. <laughs> yeah. And say uh, I've never had a life flat for international, but um, definitely loving the upgrade side of things will not pay, you know, a thousand, two thousand for not worth upgrade. it to me. I mean, no. Yeah. Give me, yeah. <laughs> give me a little extra room. I don't, I don't like yeah. the economy seats, but give me a little yeah. extra room. I'm, I'm tall. Uh, yeah. And I will pay an extra 50, hundred bucks for that, for an international flight for eight hours to have three more inches. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hey, you know, if you want to blow all your budget on one trip, instead of taking multiple, go for it. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. It's a free world. Yeah. It's your money. You. Spend it how you want. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Well, uh, I think that is pretty, pretty dang close to the end of the episode. I, I don't, you know, there's not really much other than just keep watching it. And I think for, you know, operators that are, again, like, you know, quote Simon Lehman, profitability is key. So my biggest thing that I've been seeing, which again, I still don't think is talked about enough, at least when it comes to like short-term rentals is the, the in-stay revenue, right? Like, so make those local partnerships, find any way you can to get guests to be purchasing while they're with you instead of before they get there or whatever. So I even had a friend, I don't know if it was you that I was talking to or somebody else. I was talking to somebody and they just start like a concierge, um, 
no, it was, it was Daniel from Watch B&B, actually. You know, shout out to Daniel again. Um, but we're talking about like you know, his friend has like five Airbnbs. He hired um, this local uh, lady who just did everything for the guests. It was like a, a concierge fee that they paid uh, within the rate. So it was kind of like hidden inside their, their booking. And she took care of their whole trip. And guess what? They got so much kickback. They probably, if not, got the same amount that they got from the booking from just all the concierge kickbacks and the, the tips and the upsells. Um, so find ways to get creative and, and make that like revenue source outside of nightly stays uh, possible because I think that's such an underrated uh, tactic for a lot of operators, whether it's hotel or short-term rentals, whatever you want to, um, you know, what, whatever type of lodging, I think that's just the most uh, easiest slow bearing fruit. So, yeah. And maybe one more parting thought. So if you have the, the ability to go raise money now, go do it. Um, but it's not all doom and gloom. The, yeah. the some of the best and most ex- most valuable companies today were founded in the last economic downturn and they got funded. Uh, VCs are looking for bargain deals and they've been, yeah. they've been buying in at companies at crazy multiples. So instead of a 16, 20x multiple, they might be able to invest in company at eight to 10 X or, or possibly even less, but Airbnb was founded during the last economic downturn. Uber was founded in the last economic downturn Lyft, like all the entire sharing economy has been, was founded during the last economic downturn. So there, there will be some insanely valuable companies that come out of the next downturn. Um, you know, part in necessity, part in the ability to, to grow and in times of need, just depending on your business model. So depending on where you're positioned within the, the ecosystem, it it could be a really, really good thing for you. Um, you know, for, for us at noise aware, when, when the economic downturn happened, uh, sorry, the COVID lockdowns happened, people started partying in houses. And yeah. that was a big boost to business for, for Noiseware. <laughs> yeah. uh, bars and restaurants were closed. People were renting out short-term rentals and partying in those properties. So business and, uh, is good. There's uh, always winners in downturns. Yeah. Well, I was going to say liquor sales were through the roof in America, like records broken during that time. So it makes sense. Liquor sales, yeah. you know, increase in short-term rental bookings. Yeah. I wonder what's happening. So yeah, there's, there's always winners. So just take a, take a good hard look at your positioning. And if you're in a good spot, hold steady, you're, you're going to do well. If you're not sure up those finances and make sure you can get through uh, the next couple of years, but yeah, yeah, that's all. I mean, it's, uh, it's not rocket science, but it is just something to, to be aware of and to, to keep an eye on. And there is still money out there to go grab if, uh, if you need it or if you you want to make sure you're steady for a while, uh, there will be trade-offs on it, but that's all right. You know, it's better to have a less valuable thing that still exists than something that doesn't still exist. Preach. I love it. Well, uh, before we end this episode, uh, do you have to give another shout out? I know we've done, it's like, we should just title this episode shout outs to all our friends, but um, you know, uh, Mike Shogren, Bill Faith, Julie George, uh, Ruben Kenya, uh, Rachel uh, uh, Gattensburg, 
like all these people, uh, Noble Crawford, amazing STR operators, educators, and uh, they're hosting the um, STR Wealth Conference here in Nashville, June 6th through the 8th. And I will be there in person meeting with tons of our friends and podcasters and sponsors and, of course, operators like yourselves. So uh, definitely worth going to. Um, Jeff, hell yeah, good advice. Good advice, Michael. Good job. Um, But, yeah, very excited for that conference. And uh, for anyone who's going to be there, if you're going to be there, hit me up on LinkedIn and we'll make sure to grab a drink. Uh, but for for now, I think that's it, my friend. I'll let you enjoy the time with the family, and uh, we'll see everyone again next week.